This is What's New and What's Next from the team behind Civic at San Francisco Public Press. I'm Sylvie Sturm. First, what's new in the city? The San Francisco School Board has decided to delay the application process for picking a new superintendent until the end of March. That will push back the hiring of a chief administrator until May at the earliest. Friday's decision comes after last Tuesday's overwhelming vote to recall three members of the school board. The decision will mean that none of the recalled members will be in office when a replacement for Superintendent Matthews is chosen. Matthews announced his resignation last March, but agreed to stay on until a replacement is selected. School Board President Gabriela Lopez and members Allison Collins and Fauga Muliga were all recalled with at least 70% of the vote. Molina decided to resign the day after the vote to ensure a quick replacement. Lopez and Collins will be required to leave office 10 days after the Board of Supervisors certifies the election, possibly as early as March 11th. Mayor London Breed, who backed the recall, will appoint replacements to complete their term, which ends in 2023. Voters will decide on the next cohort of school board members in the November 2022 election. The heated recall was initiated over accusations of misplaced priorities that focused on renaming dozens of schools left empty by the pandemic while students struggled with distance learning. The board also supported a controversial decision to drop merit-based enrollment in the elite Lowell High School to better represent the city's Black and Latino population. And the board faced accusations of fiscal incompetence, leading to a $125 million deficit that nearly triggered a takeover of the district's finances by the state. Voters also cast ballots for the next state assembly member for District 17. None of the four candidates secured 50 percent, so the top two candidates will compete in a runoff election on April 19th. The contenders are Supervisor Matt Haney, who got 37% of the vote, and former Supervisor David Campos, who won 35%. Entrepreneur and philanthropist Bilal Mahmood came in third with 21%. The seat was vacated when the previous Assembly member, David Chu, was appointed to city attorney after an alleged bribery scheme embroiled several city officials and led to a political reshuffling at City Hall. That reshuffling also led Mayor London Breed to appoint a new assessor-recorder, Joaquin Torres. He ran to keep his seat on Tuesday, winning 91% of the votes with only write-in candidates opposing him. As the school board recall election was playing out on Tuesday, the Board of Supervisors agreed to let the city's voters decide whether to adopt new limits for recalling elected officials. The rule changes would ban recall petitions within a year of an official's election. That's up from the current six months. It would also ban submitting a recall petition to the Department of Elections within a year and a half of a regularly scheduled election for that seat. And it bars any mayoral appointee to a recalled position from seeking election to that seat. The rule would only apply after the upcoming recall election of District Attorney Chesa Boudin on June 7th. Supervisor Aaron Peskin said the changes would avoid wasting taxpayer money. The board discussed the issue just as a special election determined the city's first recall in 40 years. That school board recall cost $12 million. 
Opponents have characterized the proposal as a power grab, saying it would, quote, elevate elected officials above the people. Supervisors Myrna Melger, Asha Safai, Raphael Mandelman, and Catherine Stephanie all opposed the measure, citing concerns over accountability and racial equity. The proposed recall reform will now be submitted to the Department of Elections for the June ballot. Also during Tuesday's meeting, the Board of Supervisors strengthened tenant rights. They unanimously approved an innovative measure allowing tenants to collectively bargain with their landlords with many of the same powers and protections provided by labor unions. San Francisco Public Press reporter Noah Arroyo first reported on the plan three weeks ago. The ordinance would allow unionized renters to bargain over issues like construction schedules. It would even help tenants bargain over how to pay off loans taken on to cover rent, often called shadow debt. Greg Blatz, with New York University School of Law's Furman Center, told Arroyo, quote, there's no precedent for that in the United States in private housing. The law applies to market rate and rent-controlled buildings with at least five units, amounting to about 198,000 housing units in the city, or roughly half of San Francisco homes. You can read Noah's story at sfpublicpress.org. Supervisors also unanimously supported barring landlords from evicting or imposing punitive charges on tenants suffering hardships due to the pandemic. The ordinance extends the eviction freeze first adopted by executive order in March 2020. That's what's new. Here's what's next on the city calendar. On Tuesday, February 22nd at 10 a.m., the Board of Supervisors Rules Committee will vote on whether to loosen the city's strict limits on police use of surveillance technology. In 2019, San Francisco passed landmark legislation banning police from using facial recognition technology and requiring the police department to get approval from the Board of Supervisors before retrieving surveillance footage. Last January, Mayor London Breed introduced the proposed amendment to give police real-time access and control of surveillance cameras when police deem that a quote, critical event is underway or in, quote, public safety crisis areas. The facial recognition ban would remain, but police could take over cameras in instances of organized retail crime, professional car burglary rings, stunt driving or sideshow events, in the Tenderloin's open-air drug markets, or in areas experiencing a spike in violence within a two-week period. A memo from the Office of Racial Equity urged lawmakers to consider the systemic racism embedded in society when considering such amendments. The office will issue a report detailing potential racial disparities derived from the legislation. A lawyer for the Privacy Advocate Group, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, said the ordinance is, quote, trying to exempt the police from democratic oversight. Breed's office said if an agreement can't be reached with the Board of Supervisors, she'll propose that the public decide in a ballot measure during the June election. You can watch the meeting at sfgovtv.org. Also on the agenda for Tuesday's Rules Committee meeting, members will weigh in on a ballot measure proposed for the June election that would reform the way trash collection rates are set. The legislation comes in the wake of a scandal alleging that the city's waste management company, Recology, bribed disgraced former Department of Public Works director Mohamed Nuru to allow excessive trash collection rates. 
Recology has since agreed to pay over $130 million in fines and refunds in connection with the scandal. The current law requires the Public Works Director to hold public meetings and make recommendations to the Refuse Rate Board on hikes to residential rates. The board has no authority over commercial rates, which are set through private contracts. That would change under the proposed reforms. It would also make the controller, not the director of public works, responsible for proposing rate hikes during public hearings. The Refuse Rate Board would also see the addition of a new ratepayer representative on recommendation of a ratepayers advocacy group. And the Board of Supervisors would be newly authorized to make changes to the Refuse Ordinance with a supermajority of at least eight votes. You can watch the meeting at sfgovtv.org. On Wednesday, February 23rd at 5.30 p.m., the San Francisco Police Commission will hold an emergency meeting on the day a memorandum of understanding between the police department and the district attorney is set to expire. Police Chief Bill Scott pulled out of the agreement, giving the DA's office the power to oversee investigations involving police use of force. The state attorney general's office has been working with both sides to hammer out a new agreement. Scott promised the commissioners last week that he would reach a deal with D.A. Chesa Boudin before the order expires. If the two sides fail to do so, the commission could order the police chief to maintain the current agreement, at least for the time being. This has been What's New and What's Next from the team behind Civic. Our music is from the Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Sylvie Sturm. Thanks for listening.